welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I want to welcome everybody again to River Valley Church and Apple Valley here listening to my voice. Can you welcome right now everybody that's watching online, all of our campuses and missionaries around the world. We love our church. We love you. And thank you for being with us this weekend. If you've been in church this summer, which you should have been, we've been going through the book of 1 Peter. And hasn't it been incredible to not just follow a topic or not just kind of jump here and there, but to actually go through a book of the Bible? I'm grateful for a church. I think for the last 10 years being a part of this church, uh, sometime throughout the year, Pastor Rob has had it on his heart. We're going to go through a book of the Bible. I want you to know this should be a reminder that the Bible is good on its own, that it's complete on its own. That the Word of God is all you need, and the Word of God also teaches that us in Jesus Christ, we've got the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The Word of God plus the power of the Holy Spirit, it's all we need to accomplish what God has created us to accomplish. Today, we're talking about 1 Peter chapter 5, and last week, if you were here, you're like, well, we did chapter 5. Well, there's not a chapter 6, so we're in 5 again. (laughs) Pastor Rob taught on two verses, verses 6 and 7. We will reread those. And then today, we're, we're kind of centering this message around verses 8 through 11. If you remember, this is a letter written by Peter, one of the disciples, one of the apostles who lived and walked with Jesus himself. He wrote this letter to the believers across modern-day Turkey. They would have passed this letter from town to town, city to city. But think about this. In those Bible times, first-century church, you know, Peter would have written this letter with the mindset that this might be the last time I can get something out to the people of God in modern day Turkey. This might be the last thing that they hear from me. And so these final words of this book or this letter are important words. People's final words are important words. And so we're gonna lean in this weekend, maybe even more than we have the last five weeks. We're gonna lean into these final words. The hearers or the readers, they would have known, hey, this, this is a letter we've received, and it might be the last one. And so they're leaning in. They're leaning in. And it was just a few years later that Peter, he did write a second letter, Second Peter. But it was a few years later that he was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And many, many believe and tradition would say that he was crucified upside down because he felt he wasn't worthy enough to be killed in the same way that Jesus, his Lord and Savior, was killed. And so with all that uh, framework, we read these words from Peter. First, the first two verses that Pastor Rob read last week. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verses 8 through 11, he continues saying this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The title of this message today is The Fight of a Lifetime. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we thank you that you are here. I pray that these next few moments in your presence, everybody, a part of our church here, all of our locations and around the world, Lord, would you infuse within us courage? I pray that people would be encouraged, full of courage by the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to resist an enemy that has a goal to destroy our lives. Help us to fight this fight the right way. And we thank you because we know the outcome. We have the victory in Jesus Christ. We believe it. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. This last week in Columbus, Ohio, we had, the Assemblies of God had their general council. And it's where pastors every other year gather uh, to talk about what God is doing in the movement. And our lead pastor, Pastor Rob, sits on the executive presbytery uh, overseeing the Midwest location and, and helping oversee churches in our area. And he sits on that executive team that uh, the headquarters is in Springfield. The teenagers also went. We sent a bunch of teenagers and they competed in a fine arts competition and teenagers are able to bring their gift. Uh, and I'm saying that just to highlight again what God's doing in the next generation. Uh, we had a bunch of our teenagers bring their artistic gift and preach and do human videos and drama and sing and photography. All of that's awesome. But I'm also saying it to say this. I, when I was in high school, I did fine arts and I was a, a vocal soloist. And I, I know it seems like I'm a pretty confident person, but when I was a teenager and uh, when I was in high school, I had parents that really pushed me into using the gift that God gave me. But, but when I was younger, oh man, I got so nervous before having to sing in front of anybody. And, and I would get jealous of other people that just looked like them and they're so brave and they just get up there and get after it. And I, I just remember like, all I want to do right before having to sing this solo, Red Letter Days, by the way, I do believe it. We don't need to do it, all right? Right before having to sing this solo in front of everybody, I would get so nervous. All I would want to do is run away. And in those moments, I had great parents that said, sometimes you're going to have to do things that make you uncomfortable. In fact, this gift that God gave you, you need to step into it and realize it's something that you were made for. And I'm grateful for parents like that. In today's culture, that's called child abuse. As a Christ follower, you're going to have to do things sometimes that make you feel uncomfortable. And sometimes you're going to want to run away. Remember, uh, if you've heard any of my previous messages, I feel like I talk about it all the time. I played hockey. You can tell by the size of my legs. I'm just kidding. And we, we would have championship games where there was a lot on the line. And, you know, there's some type of players that are like, put me in, put me in. I, I got this. I like this is what I was made for. And as much as you might think that that was me, it was not me. 
I had talent and I had a gift. And some of the teams throughout the years, I was the captain. And when the stakes were high, there's something in me that I just wanted to run away. Like I was so nervous to let everybody down. If you remember earlier in the series, I talked about getting a bat from my, from my coach. He, he gave me this bat. And I was so nervous to lose the bat, to lose the gift and let everybody down that I said no to the gift. I couldn't receive it. But those moments being in championship games or where there was a lot on the line, something had to come up within me saying I was made for such a time as this. We've got twin boys, and I talk about them often as well, and one's name is Ace, the other's name is Roger, and if you're a parent, maybe you can identify with moments like this. There was a day that Ace stuck a piece of apple up his nose, (laughs) couldn't get it out, and I don't know where I got the idea, but I decided I was going to blow into his mouth and outshot that apple. I just helped a parent right there. It was a few moments later that Roger actually uh, started choking on a piece of hot dog. And I was thinking, what is happening? <laughs> and it, not to over-dramatize or, or to make it a moment, but it, it, was, it was one of the scariest moments because it wasn't like a quick situation. It was like changing colors situation. And in those moments in life, There's this feeling of, I want to run away. But something has to come up within you. And as a father, something had to come up within me that I was made for such a time as this. And I I wasn't trained. I don't know the right medical practice. I didn't have an apparatus to help me. And I said, well, if I blew in Ace's mouth and out popped out of his nose, maybe I can blow in Roger's nose. And in a panic moment, for such a time as this, out popped the hot dog. Can we give God praise that sometimes in the middle of chaos, and you're like wired the rest of the night, I've I've spent all my emotional energy on that few seconds. Peter's writing this message to the believers, saying there's going to be moments in life, and get ready, there's some persecution coming. And not just from Nero, but from the enemy himself. Not just from non-believers, but from the devil, the adversary himself. There's going to be something that comes against you that tries to destroy you. And you cannot run. The Bible does not teach run from the devil. But it teaches something different. The first point I'd like to make is is Peter says, be sober-minded and be watchful. You need to be vigilant. This is like a pre-war speech. So if it feels intense this weekend, that's the mode that I've been in in preparing this message. It's like a, it's like a, a, a brave heart at the battle lines moment that Peter's saying, I don't know if I get another chance to write to you, but there's an enemy that's bigger than the person that acts different than you, looks different than you, agitates you. There is an enemy that is out to destroy your life. And he says, you need to be vigilant. The King James, I, I love, it says, gird up your loins. Man, we need a little bit of that action. Like, gird up the loins of your mind and be vigilant. You need to get ready. 
You need to be watchful. This would have been, they would have received it like a military context. Like somebody in the military that's on watch. You need to stay awake. You need to be alert. We read it in 1 Peter chapter 1, 13. He says it three times throughout the letter. We read it week one. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We read it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. J.B. Lightfoot says this. Long continuance in prayer is apt to produce listlessness. Sometimes people fall asleep while they're praying. Hence, the additional charge that the heart must be awake if the prayer is to have any value. You got to get ready for this battle. We know it's coming. We know there is an enemy. And how do we get ready? We got to be alert and we got to be watchful. Ben Franklin said this, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. As Christ followers, we're not going to be asleep at the wheel, but we're going to be prepared. Be vigilant. I wonder if Peter's writing this because he failed in the garden, and he failed at the crucifixion, Jesus is saying to the disciples, can't you, can't you stay awake and pray? And then in a moment, as Jesus had been arrested, Peter's pressed, aren't you one of the disciples? Aren't you one of his followers? And Peter denies Christ three times. And now he's writing to the church saying, don't do what I did. Man, if you're, if you're a good mentor, good parent, good grandfather, good leader, you're going to give examples. Hey, this is, this is, these are the failures that I made, giving appropriate details, saying, don't do what I did. And I think Peter is saying, hey, don't do what I did. You need to stay awake. We need to be clear-minded and alert at all times. Augustine says this, the last day is a secret that every day must be watched. Jesus is coming back, and we're not promised tomorrow. And so let's be alert. Let's be alert. The second point that Peter's trying to make is not just be vigilant, be awake, but he's saying you need to understand your adversary. You need to understand the tactics and the nature of your enemy. The adversary, uh, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The enemy or adversary, it literally means, it's a compound word, literally means enemy of your soul. The devil, the Greek word meaning slanderer. The the devil is a snake. He's a slanderer. He slanders God to men and he slanders men to God. Think about uh, in Genesis in the garden. Genesis chapter three, verses one and four and five. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? Slander. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He slanders God to men and men to God. Think about the story of Job. Job was a good and upright man. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a good and upright man. And just like in a courtroom, the devil goes to God and starts pressing the Lord on this upright man named Job, and he's slandering Job's name and reputation to God. 
Job chapter 1, 9 through 11 says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. Take away all that he has. This guy's so blessed. And he will curse you to your face. This is what the devil does. He's a slanderer. Peter describes him also as a lion. He has the imagery also of, of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's dead, but also Psalms chapter 22. Verse 13 says, they open wide, the enemies, they open wide their mouths at me like a ravening, ravening and roaring lion. The devil prowls around. Job chapter one, verse seven, earlier in that chapter we just read, the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. He's just, he's on the lookout for who he can devour and who he can destroy and who he can eat up. Praise God, side note, he's a defanged lion. Devour means to drink down, to gulp up, and to scare us like, like we, should be, we should be scared. That's what he says. You should be scared. Nope, you don't have to fear the devil because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's a graphic image of this beast that's coming after you. And for drastic times come drastic measures. How should we live as Christ followers? We're moving through this letter. There's, a, there's an article called How to Be Satan's Breakfast. So if you're wondering how to lose this fight, let me give you some points. Resent and resist authority at home, church, work, and the government. Be proud. View yourselves as favored of God, a pillar of society, first among equals. Seek praise per your own schedule on your own priorities. Be anxious. Worry over trivial details, performance. Act as though you are the critical component to all success. Question God's care for you. Blame God for your life. Assume no responsibility for your decisions or the consequences that follow. Be unbalanced in your thinking. Doubt God's control of life. And be self-focused. Spend your time on yourself. Make sure your needs are met first. You want to know how to win this battle is do the exact opposite. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to fear. You don't have to doubt. God is with you even in the valley of the shadow of death. All right, so now we know we got to wake up, okay? Shake it off, okay? We've got to wake up. Here we go. We're alive. We're breathing. We're on watch. We're alert. We, we now have a better understanding that there is an enemy more than just our political opponents, more than just those that tick us off, more than our neighbors. Hopefully they're not your enemy. There is an enemy after your soul, and we understand his tactics a little bit more. And moving forward, how do we fight? And it's funny in the kingdom of God, sometimes how we fight, like, how, how, how it's written and what is the truth of God's word sometimes feels weak. Like, if we're just being honest. Like, man, if, I mean, if I was writing this, I wouldn't say resist the devil. I'd probably be like Peter, and it's like, it's time to start swinging swords and cutting people's ears off. But what I think is weak is, is different than what is all-powerful. I'm thankful that I didn't write this book and that his ways are higher than my ways. Because some people thought it was pretty weak for a baby to be born in a manger. But that baby saved all humanity. Made a way that all humanity could be saved through him. 
and the sacrifice that he made. And so we fight different in this. Peter says, resist and stand firm in your faith. Resist means to stand or set against. It's like there's an enemy army lining up. Resisting is, is not just like bracing yourself, but it's getting positioned. A good defense is a good offense. It's getting positioned. I'm getting ready. I'm going to resist. There's an army on the way. I think about uh, Goliath out there mocking the people and they're all cowering. That's not resisting. That's, not, that's like survival mode. Nope, we're not for survival mode. We're for thrival mode. We're ready to win this war. We're gonna resist and we're gonna get set up. We need to prepare for battle. James 4, 7 and 8 says this. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And what's the truth? It feels weak, but this is what works. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Sometimes we think we need to fight war with swords. Nope. We need to fight this fight resisting the enemy. And he will flee from us and we will get the victory. Ephesians 6, 10 and 12 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. This is resisting. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The truth is you will either submit to the Lord and resist the devil, or you will submit to the devil and resist the Lord. No in-between. And so I'm gonna submit to the Lord and I'm gonna resist the devil. You think about the picture of a lion getting ready to pounce. If I'm alone and a lion's getting ready to pounce, I'm gonna want to run but I have a zero chance. I've got zero chance against a lion as I run. The Bible teaches to resist. I don't need to run in fear from the adversary or the enemy, but I can be bold and I can resist. It says stand firm. Stable, established, a sure foundation. Superficial faith will not do when the devil's trying to make apostates through persecution. Colossians 1 verse 23 says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. Are you stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. We stand firm and we resist the devil. And listen, doesn't the Bible talk about running? Doesn't it talk about fleeing? I, like, I, I thought it did teach that. Nope, it, it teaches to run from our passions and things of the flesh. It does not teach to run from the enemy or the adversary. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, talking about fleshly things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We win this battle. I know it's like, Man, Peter, you're getting intense right here in the last chapter. It's like, man, this is, a, this is a big deal. It's through the context that we have victory in Christ. And for you today, there's moments in this life where you get legitimately scared. You get legitimately nervous. Where on the inside, all you want to do is run. 
The way that we can stand by the power of the Holy Spirit is remembering that we win this battle. That through Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they conquered him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even until death. They stood strong even to the point of death. And we have victory after death. Perseverance also brings into it the, the doctrine of preservation. That even while we stand and we persevere, but it's been a long time. I've been dealing with this for a long time. I've been attacked for a long time. This has happened for weeks. This has happened for months. I've been dealing with this for years. This has been something that's come against me for decades. Stand strong and persevere. Persevere. The Lord will preserve you as you persevere. I feel like I'm disintegrating. I feel like I'm, I'm falling apart. I feel like Jesus is the one who holds all things together. And he will preserve you and he will hold you together. Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this. That he who began a work in you, a good work, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I love sometimes the Bible is just simple. He who calls you is faithful. He'll surely do it. Some of you are listening and like, how do I connect this to my life? Like, I understand what they were living through. There is an enemy after your life. And maybe it's different than being thrown in a lion's pit. Maybe it's different than the potential of you being crucified upside down. Maybe it's different than beheading like Paul. We're reading his letters. He's beheaded. Maybe it's different. But the enemy is in, a, in the same way after your soul. And if he can't get you in a lion's pit, then he will distract you. He will intimidate you. He will cause you to live just asleep in comfortability. His attack is the same but different. As much as he was going after first century Christians... He's going after us today in 2023. And we got we to wake up to that. I know it's hard, but just let's engage our minds for a second. The message has to apply to our life today. It's not about what we feel it means. It, 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 it means what it meant to the readers of the day, but it can be applied to our life today. And so how does this apply to you? There's an enemy after your soul. We need to wake up. Man, am I, am I floating in comfortability? Do I, have a, do I have a seriousness that there is an enemy and I need to get positioned? As the enemy lines up, I need to get positioned. What does that look like? It looks like daily Bible reading. It looks like having some level of seriousness about the fact that we're called to gather as living stones in a church and to not do this life together. Ah, we'll skip it. There's a lot going on. We'll skip it. There's an enemy after your soul. Man, I'm tired and got these kids and they're they're tired. And let's just let's just skip the Bible stories. Let's just let's just skip it. Because one night turns into two years. There's an enemy after our souls. 
And because we're not nervous to be thrown in a lion's pit, sometimes it's like, I think, I think we're just, it's doing good. We'll get it tomorrow. We'll get, we'll get it next week. We'll... No, that's, that's like lowest level. Peter with an urgency. Like it's, it's, more, it's, it's more than just are you saved. It's how many people are you reaching? And how seriously do you take your faith in Jesus Christ? We just spent six weeks in 1 Peter. Is Jesus your living hope? Is Jesus your cornerstone? Are you a hope holder, well prepared to defend what you believe? Are you filled with the gifts from the Spirit of God and ready to use them? Are you willing to put an apron on and serve in humility? Not about me. And are you ready to fight this battle? You cannot escape it. I'm just going to sit this battle out. Nope, that's losing. There's an enemy after your soul. And God's put it within you to be able to fight this. Just like last week, Pastor Rob had the church kneel. And as we end this series and as we end this message, here and at all of our locations, I'd love to close differently that we're going to end in standing. Are you here today, not because it's cool, not because I kind of feel the social pressure to, you know, if I'm I'm not, forget all that. In the presence of God, are you willing to stand for the things of God? To say, I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking my faith, my relationship with him seriously. I want to live my life to give him glory and I want to reach as many people as possible. I'm going to do it with urgency because we are, if he's saying last days there, we're 2,000 years later. It's last days, people. And people need Jesus. I'm raising my kids differently. I'm leading my marriage differently. I'm engaging in this church differently. I'm going to think about generosity differently. I'm going to engage the workplace differently. I'm going to get into the neighborhoods differently. I've read 1 Peter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and I'm going to live this life as a Christ follower differently. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask that you stand right now. Here and at every location, don't do it because it's a cool thing. This is accepting your responsibility as a Christ follower. Oh man, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But he's given you a mission. He's given you a mission. Get on mission. He's given you a mission. This is bold month. We haven't even talked about that yet. We'll get there. Lord, I thank you for everybody here at every location and missionaries around the world that watch every single week. Lord, I thank you for our church. And I pray a blessing. Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me read this final portion of 1 Peter chapter 5. And the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Lord, I pray right now that you would restore, that you would confirm, that you would strengthen, and that you would establish the people of God, the people that are a part of this church, the people that are standing. 
Lord, give them everything that they need to glorify you with their life and to reach as many lost people as possible. Lord, I pray that this, would, this church would be a, a soul-winning church by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.